Hi, this is Maz Jobrani, and you're listening to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast, because it's beautiful. changing somebody's mind because if I can get on stage as reading as queer as I do and I can make somebody that doesn't uh, agree with me as a human being if I can make them laugh mm-hmm. then I can change their mind line of alternative comedy with Carlin and Pryor and Bill Hicks and all those those people is has always been speaking out against norms and um, what is happening now in comedy is that the person gets to be against the norm and then also their comedy tends to be too so like that's what I think is powerful here are your hosts, Jamie Green and Justin Connors. This is the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at the GBB Podcast and Twitter as well. And you can find us anywhere where you get podcast episodes. This is our episode. <laughs> Stupid. How you doing today, Jamie? I'm fine. Wow, that was that was quite an introduction. I'm rusty. I am rusty. I don't know what to do. <laughs> We're never going to take a six-week hiatus again. No, no more no, breaks. No more breaks. It's funny us. you do something for two years, yeah, and then you go on a break and you come back, and it's like I forget everything. So we're starting yeah. over again, right? I didn't even know my login for our recording thing. That we, <laughs> that we, okay, well, we're good now. <laughs> we're good. We're good. We're back. We're gonna, you know, get back into the groove. We're back in action. We just got off the phone with Cameron Esposito and Rhea Butcher. <laughs> Jamie's laughing at me because I butcher names. Ooh, that's a pun. That's a pun. Whoa, I, I see what you did there. Oh. That was pretty awful, but I see what you did. <laughs> um, yes, moving right along from that. Yeah, we talked to uh, Cameron and Rhea, and uh, I, I'm going to be honest here. Um, so they're, they're amazing comedians. I was not familiar with them until last year's uh, Joko Cruise. Um, right. And I've talked about this probably a sickening number of times by now if you listen to the show but they were on the joko cruise um and i didn't know everybody on the cruise all the the guests and they were two of the names i was like oh i don't i don't really know who those people are um but they were hilarious so they did um they did some some stand-up routines they hosted one of like the the main events on one of the nights and it was sort of like a they interspersed their stand-up with some other like variety stuff so like they hosted this this smorgasbord of of activities of entertainment and um yeah like so I, i ended the week just sort of in love with them in their comedy like they're they were just hilarious um and so since you know then i've been trying to get them on the show and finally worked out so um we talked to them today um they had they had to run we got cut a little bit short um i was hoping we could talk a little bit longer so there's a, a Hopefully we'll have them back, right, Justin? Right. No, of course. It was a really great conversation. You know, it's not often... I know I say that all the time, but when a conversation veers off script from what we have, like, we usually script out our questions, and it's not that we script the the talk, but uh, Jamie has us down to a science where he kind of weaves it and it follows the flow of our questions, but 
the best ones always happen when it kind of veers off what we were talking about and we just get into a full-out conversation. And that's what happened with this uh, this episode. You know what I, I've been pleasantly surprised by is that the comedians we've had on the show have had have been really fascinating conversations. Not yes. not just because of like insight into their comedic process, but like I guess maybe it's the comedians that we've had. You know, they don't shy away from mm-hmm. somewhat taboo topics. You know, we've we've had Greg Proops and, and Kevin McDonald and 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 now Cameron and Rhea, and it's just like those conversations. Um, have been just really, in, I don't want to use the word enlightening, but, but like they've gone in unexpected places. You know, they haven't necessarily been funny. You know, they've not been funny conversations because they're comedians, but they've been really uh, somewhat deep conversations because, right. you know, we talk about where that comes from, like where their comedy comes from, why they talk about what they do. Right. Well, and there's nothing worse than, I mean, it's not bad, but having a comedian on and being like, you know, sing and dance for us and make us yeah. laugh. Like, we don't want that. We want to hear, you know, their unfiltered thoughts on things, which Cameron and Rhea did wonderfully. You know, I, I felt like they were absolutely 100% genuine and they answered everything from, you know, you could tell they were really thinking about their answers and it was great. <laughs> Nothing was canned. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're unfamiliar, Cameron and Rhea are both stand-up uh, comedians. They, um, they've been, they've done a lot together um so you may have seen them together you may have seen their names attached together quite a bit they are married in real life and a lot of like they they co-host um they they tour together they do open not open mic nights but like they do uh stand-up shows together they've got a show on uh CISO, which is a, a television network called take my wife um which is about basically them in their lives it's about two married comedians and they didn't even change their names they're cameron esposito and and Rhea butcher in the show um they've they've done a lot together and so their their routine now i think at this point their comedy is very much dependent on the other person and cameron i think is the one who says it in the interview but she makes a really good point you know it's like they don't shy away from talking about the same topics because when somebody gets out there and says, oh, let me tell you about my wife. She did this. She did that. You don't often get the wife to walk out and, and give her perspective or her point of view, you know. And so it's like that's what they do. They're on stage together and they do. I mean, if you've never seen them, go YouTube some of their some of their routines. They have a, a back and forth that's just amazing. Um, and it really, really, really works. Um I also want to give a plug and shout out for their tour. They have an upcoming bus tour that starts um, the end of September. Um, And so they're going all around um, the United States. I'm looking at the dates here. I don't think they're going to Canada, but uh, they started in Seattle on September 21st and they're just going all over. So um, if I'll put the link in with this post, um, but definitely check that out. Um, They're calling it back to back. Cameron and Esposito, uh, Cameron Esposito and Rhea Butcher, they're they're doing a uh, bus tour. Um, definitely go check them out. Check out some of their their routines on on YouTube or online, and then please go check them out if they're coming to your city because they're they're really really funny live. All right, so we're gonna go play that interview for you right now. I really hope you enjoy it. Listen, listen to the whole thing seriously; it's really great. And I'm not just saying that; it really is. <laughs> we'll see you right after the break, right after the interview. <laughs> Cameron and Rhea, thank you guys so much for taking the time to, to join us today. It's awesome to have you. Awesome to be here. Thanks for having us. Oh, yeah, that was Rhea. This is Cameron. We'll try to say who we are because 
people don't have an easy time telling women's voices apart. Really? Yeah, this is like a real thing. I don't understand what's wrong with everybody. I listen that, to more women. That yeah, that's speak. a that's a weird thing because I mean, if you have difficulty discerning between voices, I don't know why it would be limited to just women. Well, friend, I think it's about like <laughs> the number of dudes that are on the radio. Yeah, and I would here's here's an example that I could give you to um, sort of maybe realize why that this is an issue. Did you ever play the game Guess Who when you were a kid? Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember how many women were on that board? Um, no, because you're <laughs> asking me, I'm guessing that it wasn't very many. <laughs> yeah, there were like four, and so I just bring that up because like the 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 ratio of dudes' voices to women's voices <laughs> that we've just generally heard over our lives, I think, is is like that Guess Who board. <laughs> yeah, plus it was a speaking based game, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah they're well, they talk in the commercial. <laughs> They had to put a disclaimer that said, guess who characters do not actually talk. Do you remember that? No, I do not remember. Well, that was I, one of my favorite parts. I do remember that. And it was always such a disappointment when I saw that because I really wanted the game to talk to me. Yeah, dude. Me too. So that being said, I want to hear your voices more than me or Justin. Obviously, that's why you guys are here. Um, but let's start uh, sort of not really at the beginning, but I mean, obviously, you guys know any sort of career in the arts uh, is sort of fraught with uncertainty. Nobody ever really knows if you're going to be a success or not. Comedy, specifically, I think, is notoriously difficult to become successful in. So when you both, when you both decided, you said, you know what, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a full-time professional comedian. How supportive were those around you, how, like your friends and family, when, when, when you sort of decided that that was the path you were going to take? Um, well, we have really different stories regarding you know how we got started in this I started doing improv in college when I was 19 and when I graduated I got my first job working professionally as an improviser the day after I graduated from college um, and then I did that for a while but I had day jobs you know mm -hmm. even I worked on the main stage of a theater in Boston doing shows six nights a week or, or something like that. But I still had a day job at a school. And so I just worked like 80 hours. Mm. And then I started doing stand up. And I really always thought because I am from Chicago, and then lived in Boston, I didn't have an awareness of the entertainment industry, like the industry behind it, the sort of many different types of jobs that you could have that would be more than going out at night and just doing shows. So, you know, when I met Rhea, I was 29 and about to move to LA. I thought just to do stand up. And then I got out here and there's just a shit ton of work. There's yeah. like, there's just so many opportunities and ways to plug in. So I, I hadn't had a day job for a couple of years before moving here, but I think that the like scalability, what you're talking about, that mm -hmm. like ultimate risk, I don't know that I looked at it that way because it was something that I was just doing as like, you know, the equivalent of a high school extracurricular activity that I was super passionate about and loved. I thought that's how all comics engaged with the career, if that yeah, makes sense. It does. So, and Rhea, yeah. why don't you? about yours because it's really different yeah well did you have a follow-up for Cameron? oh yeah no 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 please go ahead okay cool um so i 
something that's interesting, I think, for me, I, I didn't start doing stand-up until I was 28, um, which I'm totally fine with because I, a lot of people, like, I, when I started, were like, oh, you're getting started late. And it's like, well, sure, but it's all relative because, like, um, I'm 28 and I'm, I, I really know who I am, at least com- more compared to when I was 19. So I was able to speak about things, I think, in a more structured and um, specific way because and I'm not saying one way is better than the other, but you know, when you're younger and you start doing comedy, like you're literally figuring out who you are while you're figuring out how to do comedy. Right. And so that works for some people and that doesn't work for other people. And for me, it worked to have the experiences of my twenties, um, inform what I would end up doing. Um, so I did get started quote late in, in those terms, but, um, I went to college at the university of Akron, which was, essentially a mile from my house and I lived with my mom while I went to work or went to college. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how like not collegey my college was that I just referred to it as going to work. <laughs> but so my college experience was like kind of weird, you know, like I didn't go off to college and I didn't stay at a dorm and I was in Akron, Ohio where like the biggest industry is the college and the hospital, right. the college I was going to. Um, so I didn't really know what job I was gonna do, but I went to college for a Bachelor of Fine Arts in printmaking. So I kind of already took that like creative uh, leap that you're talking about when I was in college and um, was feeling that the whole time, just thinking like, how am I going to turn this into a job? You know, but at the same time, not changing my major to a, a job like major, I stuck with it and kept doing it. Um, and then to fast forward to stand up, my biggest fear when I quit my day job that I had, that's actually very pretty much the same thing that we put in our television show, take my wife. Um, uh, when I took that leap, like one of my biggest fears was not having health insurance. Yeah. Uh, because when I was in college, I didn't have health insurance and I had a terrible health scare or I had to have emergency surgery. And I just lucked into getting a low income like safety net when that happened. And the honestly, <laughs> the ACA being passed and Obamacare being a thing is uh, two thirds the reason why I decided to go for it was stand up because I was like, Oh, I can get on, un- I can get unemployment insurance mm-hmm. and I can not be at risk for like going into financial ruin if something happens to me. Yeah. Um, uh, and so that was like, and I like talking about that because there's so many experiences of Obamacare that like, it actually is really important. Like I, I, I literally would not be doing stand up if it wasn't for Obamacare. <laughs> I've heard that time and time again. People, you know, some of the the biggest proponents of Obamacare and the ACA are, are freelancers or people who are working in the arts mm-hmm. and, and have come to rely on it for their insurance. You know, otherwise they wouldn't be able to do what they're doing full time. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what's interesting, I mean, you mentioned, you know, starting late helped you avoid that whole figuring out who you are while you're doing your, your routine on stage. But so many... Um, stand-up comedians, you, you mine your childhood, you mine your lives for material, and that's that's sort of where you work from. But it takes, I think, a certain type of person to be able to do that. And I, I'm just wondering, like, for me, it feels like getting up on stage and just like stripping down naked in front of a room full of strangers. Like you're just you're talking about yourself in this intimate way. I mean, it's it's in a funny way, and you're turning it into a joke and making people laugh. But it's still so so personal I mean like 
number one, like, how do you do that? And number two, what is it about people who enter, who become comedians that, that allows them to do that? Whereas other people might just be completely paralyzed at the thought of that. Well, this is Cameron. You know, I think if, if, if it was that hard for us, the way that, cause we get this, you get this question all the time and, mm-hmm. and not, not that you're like repeating yeah. it's I apologize. Me, no, no, no. <laughs> Sometimes it's like, even to a more extreme degree, people will be like, how do you do that? Like, like yeah. they're like, like tearing their hair out sort of a thing. What are you doing? It's like, if it was really that hard, you wouldn't do it. If it didn't right. suit your personality type already, like I can't imagine that people are doctors. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, what, uh, we, I think, I think the thing that you have to want is I think you have to want to communicate with people. Like you have to want connection. Um, there's, there really is like a spirituality element to it where you, you know, want to be, um, engaged with the dialogue of humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, but also you are somebody who needs a little bit of control, over how that works. Like for myself, I'm an introvert and I have a really hard time at parties. Like that really? would be my worst nightmare. Um, not a party where I know everybody, but like sometimes we have to go to these parties for our job where it's, you know, like a work event. Mm-hmm. I so, hate yeah. that. How, I wanna, are, are you shocked that she's an introvert? I, I am. And that, that blows my mind. Like how, because it's, I, I never would have guessed that in all honesty. So like, I'm not being facetious. So like, how do you turn that off? Like when you get on stage and you're in front of a room full of people, like if you're naturally an introvert and you're naturally want to just sort of become part of the, the wallpaper, like how do you, how do you turn that off and become somebody who is comfortable yelling at the crowd or, or, you know, discussing these things in front of other people? Well, you are and... familiar with my stand-up comedy. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I don't think about, um, intro, I don't think about introversion that way. I told, I understand where you're, where the question comes from. What I, what I believe is true is that when I get out on stage, like all I want is to engage with other people, but this is a really safe way in my, like all the things you're talking about, it's so scary. Like it's not scary. I've never had stage fright. Um, it doesn't feel overwhelming. I feel like it's, um, like there's an established dynamic, Mm -hmm. not really a script because it's different every time, but there's an established dynamic where like I do this thing and then the audience does this thing and it's really palatable for that reason. It's like the exact opposite of of what you're, of what one would assume. You yeah, know, like one yeah. would assume, oh my God, now I'm laid bare. To me it's like, oh, I know how to operate now yeah. because like, right. I understand the rules of this thing. Um, and it, it's really comfortable. And I, I really love connecting with people but like I'm shy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, sorry, go ahead. No, there. So there uh, you go. The I, well, I mean, something that I've also heard come up um, from people, celebrities, you know, people who have a following or who have fans, and they say like one of the things that social media has done um, is is not only made you more accessible to your fans, but made it so that random and complete strangers think that they know you personally. <laughs> Um, and I have to imagine doing stand-up, talking about yourself probably only amplifies that. I mean, so for both of you, I mean, do you get that a lot where like you're either just walking down the street or people come up to you and they just 
they have that familiarity that that they would might feel with a friend because they just assume that they know who you are like they're friends with you yeah definitely oh this is Rhea mm-hmm. um yeah I mean I've had people just like come up and say my joke back to me <laughs> and like it's because I also I like when people talk to me and are like hey I you know just want to say whatever it's, it's very nice but the the like saying the joke back thing is so funny because and I've done it too because I you know am fans of people's work I that you just like yell this thing at somebody forgetting that they're not perpetually in your earbuds yeah the thing like I'm just um you know picking up Drano for my house or whatever <laughs> and then you're like yeah I'm a woman and then I'm like, <laughs> yeah 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 um, uh, I so- I would just only add to that that the other thing that happens is, uh, you know, social media, I sometimes also forget that, like, what's the easiest way to say this? Like, you can, one can almost present as a corporation. It's like Mm -hmm. McDonald's has a Twitter Mm -hmm. that's verified, and Cameron Esposito has a Twitter that's ver- that's verified. Why would you compare yourself to McDonald's? Because <laughs> <laughs> burgers. No, um, I don't eat McDonald's. But because I'm a vegetarian, what would I eat there? Uh, apple pies? No, never had it. Save salads, uh, I think. Yeah, no. <laughs> but, um, I guess what I'm saying is like, the, the specificity to social media is, so I'll say something, I'm a human, I'm a human, I'm one person, you know, and I do manage my social media accounts. Not not everybody does that, that this is a part of their like official business. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I will just tweet something and I will forget that people are responding like to the concept of me. You know what I mean? Like if somebody's very mm-hmm. cruel or has like a, like a big reaction and especially it's, hard to be a woman on the internet. People are pretty, mm-hmm. um, they really say what they think right. uh, to women. And I think even more so to women of color. Um, but anyway, yeah, real thing. It's just like dealing with people being like, fuck you, you corporation, Cameron, mm-hmm. you know, like, and I'm, <laughs> And just like on an elliptical being like, oh, my God, why? You know, anyway, is I mean, how do you how do you tune that out? You know, because this is something that mm-hmm. like you even worked into Take My Wife. You know, you had it in there where you, you you as Cameron were looking at the tweets, all these things coming back in and having a hard time dealing with the, you know, the assholes that are online that voicing whatever rubbish comes into their mind. So like. I know that's not fictitious. I know it happens every day. So, I mean, how do you tune that out or how do you deal with that? Do you have sort of some secret or is it just there is no secret? You just have to sort of deal with it in your own way. I mean, this is Rhea. I I think, yeah, I think you just have to deal with it the way that you deal with it when you deal with it. That's at least what I've found is like I put quality filters on stuff to get rid of the, you know, bots and those crazy amounts of trolls. But, um, it's still difficult because you forget, like Cameron was saying, you just start like, oh, I'm a person on the internet. And then people forget that you're a person on the internet. <laughs> and <Right>. so um, <laughs> I've just been trying to take, you know, breaks and stuff, like either mm-hmm. just not being on it and taking a break or telling myself, like, you're only going to write stuff and put it out there and, like, don't look at what people write. Just just 
put a thing out and then walk away. Yeah. And also I try to just like read other people's uh, Twitters and, and just like, connect with somebody else's thoughts and and never at them <laughs> like just try to consume <laughs> other people's like ideas and w- what they're putting out into the world and just always uh take it in and not and not have to externalize it so that it's like a just practicing that for then when i read what people are saying to me i don't have to at them to <laughs> prove yeah. a point you know? just kind of <laughs> wait just walk away yeah i i really want to actually applaud Rhea here she is somebody who's like helped me a lot with this I mean I think uh the movie Frozen had it right when it was like telling us to let it go mm-hmm. uh, but just right. the other day I sort of fell into a little bit of a hole of like over explaining myself and Rhea texted me like hey little buddy like I think maybe <laughs> there um and I think yeah, I think what I'm, you know, trying to parse out is, again, it's not like that we can't be challenged as human beings, but the the cruelty, like, it does have an effect on you. Yeah. And so I think it really is trying to limit whether or not you take it in um, and uh, put your phone down, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Can, can, I, can I, I just want to add one more thing. This sure. is Rhea. Yeah. yeah. Um, a way that I, as, as a person who uses Twitter, not as like a verified person who uses Twitter, like a a consumer of content, something that I used as like a little rule for myself is actually, um, uh, Thomas F. Wilson's bit called the question. Are you guys familiar with this bit? I'm not, I'm not, no, no, Uh, it's a, he, he, he does it as a song. Uh, but Thomas F. Wilson, you might know as an artist and stand-up comedian, but also um, he played Biff, Griff, right? and, uh, wow, now I can't remember the third Biff. Anyway, uh, Buford, uh, Tannen, yeah. Yeah. He played all three of those in the Back to the Future uh, trilogy. <laughs> and he wrote this song called The Question, which is essentially like a bit about how he's, I mean, he's like saying, of talking about Back to the Future, but that people just ask him these questions about Back to the Future every time they see him. So he just made a song and printed it and would hand it to people. And so I think about that when I'm thinking, do I need to respond to this person? Um, especially if that person is like famous or trying to make a point on Twitter. Like, how many other people have already asked this of them? How many other people have pointed this out? I'm probably not the first one, so they probably don't need to hear it from me. Yeah. And so that is the method that I use for the internet in general. Like, I take a second and think, does this person need to hear this from me right now? Like, have they probably already heard it from like 300 other people in their day? Probably. I can just let this go and they don't need to hear from me. I think also important right now in the climate that we live in to distinguish between, I mean, I'm sorry, I guess I'm gonna use the word celebrities, I don't know, verified, let's just say that, whatever (laughs) it is. Um, Like to distinguish between that person and political figures because obviously like, engaging with political figures and giving feedback, like those are the people who are going to make decisions that yeah, that's directly different. impact our lives. But I'm just a little stand-up comedy head. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, again, I think it's just like, you know, I have to keep my shit together. Yeah. And uh, that's the end. I, I just wish more. <laughs> let us discourage you from yelling at Donald Trump. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. No, I just wish more people <laughs> would subscribe to that, um, that, that line of thinking. Like, take a minute, 
think before you tweet. Like, if more people did that, I think it, Twitter would be a much happier place. Totally. Quite honestly. Yeah, um, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, let, me, let me ask you guys this. Uh, you're married in real life. You do Take My Wife together. You do the podcast, uh, Put Your Hands Together, together. You're about to go on a bus tour together. Like, listen, I'm happily married, but I have to ask, is it too much? Like, do you ever, you ever like find yourself thinking like, eh, maybe we should do something separately. Like maybe this, maybe this should be mine. Do you want to answer on three? One, two, three. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's like way too much. It's yeah. actually really awful right it's now. A, yeah, it's a lot. I'm, I will say like, none of this has anything to do with Rhea as a human. Um, but it just, it, things got very compounded, you know, like when we started working on these different projects, they added up, they just added up, they just stacked up. And so I think what we're trying to do now is to sort of, and none of it is anything I regret. I love the stuff we've done together and I'm excited to bring a little bit more balance back into the future of our lives, which I'm, you know, we get to do that a little bit now after this tour. I'm yeah. really excited about that. So talk to me about the tour. You guys are going on a bus tour, which sounds kind of, I I, I was going to say it sounds kind of fun and amazing, but you're already saying you're, it's too close and now you're going to be on a bus together. <laughs> Not sure how that's going to work out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, think, I think the bus is actually going to be fun because um, I, all of the things that Cameron and I do together, I love doing with mm-hmm. her and I probably wouldn't really want to do it with anybody else. Um, but all of those things, I enjoy touring with her the most cause we like, we both really like traveling yeah. a lot. Um, and that's something that we learned in touring cause we've, we've toured together essentially for like five years. We just mm-hmm. took the last two years off to make the show and, you know, all the other tours would be the same size, except it would be stretched out over six months as opposed to one. And so this is just like a little more fast paced. And um, so I think it's going to be fun. I think the bus is very big for two people. So I think <laughs> we're going to be able to just have our own spaces, you know, separate and, wings uh, of the bus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and just get a little space. I'm still trying to figure out if I can uh, get a PS4 and play MLB <laughs> show on there i know i know it's just it's a lot of money i know <laughs> what is that thing over there that's an that xbox called? and they don't it it only has a crappy baseball game the, the good the the mlb you game is on just playstation play whatever 4. goes on there but it's shitty yeah get the game you want get the game you want <laughs> but she has to buy a whole new system I have to buy a whole new we thing. have some system over here that goes to our tv so if anybody's interested in an xbox that i literally know <laughs> if anybody would also like to to realize who has set up our entertainment system it's as me. i just looked over there and said what is that what's thing that connected to our tv <laughs> so, you know, so i think oh. the bus is gonna be fun i think it's gonna be fun i think it's gonna be really fun. we'll see um so it's safe to say um, you guys you guys are arguing over this. So maybe I don't know if this is going to happen. But do you guys argue over bits when you're writing them? Do you, does competition get in the way at all? We have called bits like who gets to do I think what part of it. But then we we also made a rule like a bunch of years ago that that um, that doesn't work because I think right. you know like 
even if we talked about the same thing, even if we talked about it back to back on this tour, that to me is really interesting. Like you never in stand-up comedy, I mean, how overdone is the trope of like my wife, this is what my life is like. You never hear from the wife. Like that right. person never like walks out right. and is like, actually counterpoint. Um, <laughs> I think that it better to just lean into it and not restrict ourselves as artists. And this has proven so far to be something that our audience actually likes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you guys about Take My Wife for just a few minutes. Um, number one, I know you guys probably have gotten this question all the time, so I apologize for asking it again, but how much of it is just documentary? Um, well, oh, none of it. Yeah, none of it. <laughs> but, but at the same time, all of it. So Yeah, it's all based, it's all based in like like emotional truths yeah like all of those things have happened but they didn't happen the way that it is in the show necessarily if that makes sense like we did get locked out when cameron was watching a baby and our takeout got there (laughs) oh no don't tell anybody (laughs) the the statute of limitations on that has totally run out yeah we did did it did one time get locked out of a house the baby was not inside because we wrote an episode of where the baby's inside I was holding a baby. All right, that's better. And, and barefoot, <laughs> and Indian food got there, nice. which also it's very hot in LA. Yeah. And like maybe there are some foods that you could kind of like hang out in the sun with. I don't know what those foods are, like <laughs> chips, you know, like a bag of chips. <laughs> but like just hot, hot Indian food, no shoes, but and gets- a baby. Who gets chips delivered though? Yeah, I was just gonna ask. Yeah, some like, kind uh, of guy, some kind of fancy guy, chip guy. But Rhea dove into a back window and climbed in and got in that house. You talked earlier about you know like particularly now with the political climate in which we live, you know some things are more important than others. Why do we need comedy like as a whole? Like why particularly now with everything that's going on? Like why do we need comedy and what role should it play in society? Comedy has always been about taking the steam out of the steam and the sting out of our lives. Like that comedy's humor is a coping mechanism. That's why stand-up comics are stand-up comics. Something happened to us in our childhoods that we had to sort of like get out in front of and make a joke so that people wouldn't like hurt us or laugh at us. Like you make the joke first. And I think that it really can work for social change in that way because it is about taking down systems of power. Like whether it's the bully on the playground when you're in fourth grade or the bully that's in the White House right now, mm-hmm. like that is what this is. The, this is this is the tool to do that. Because if comedy is supporting the power structure, then it is propaganda. So like also music can do this, you know, things like that. But, but all of that relies on, um, you know, turn of phrase or like, implication and this is somebody standing on stage saying like here's what we need to change and let me make you feel comfortable about that mm-hmm. and i i think that every comic should be working to do that right now and most comics that i know are great thank Rhea, you follow that <laughs> great job uh, great work follow that well i think that also um e- even and, and, and this is the way that I viewed comedy b- before we entered into this era um, in the United States. Um, it, the, the 
availability of comedians, like with social media and the internet and podcasting and all of this, there are so many more comedians that you have access to. So we don't necessarily have the like the like top five comics. You know, like when I was growing up, you just you knew of like four comedians and that was it, and they had sitcoms and that was it. And so more people are able to do this job in different capacities, which just means more um, frames of thinking, more lines of thinking, and then also more representation of the people themselves. And so a comedian who is not a straight white dude, a comedian who is, you know, queer, a person of color, a woman of color, a woman, you know, any intersectionality, taking up space on a stage, speaking their truth and their opinion is always going to be a political statement. Um, and so even just baseline being on stage and doing the job is changing somebody's mind. Because if I can get on stage as, reading as queer as I do, and I can make somebody that doesn't uh, agree with me as a human being, if I can make them laugh, mm -hmm. then I can change their mind, you know? So that, mm -hmm. that goes for any, anybody really. And I think comedy has, the, the line of alternative comedy with Carlin and Pryor and Bill Hicks and all those those people is has always been speaking out against norms. And um, what is happening now in comedy is that the person gets to be against the norm, and then also their comedy tends to be too. So like that's what I think is powerful is um, just bringing about different forms of thought. Cameron and Rhea, I know we've run out of time with you guys. I didn't even get to ask you about Query. I've got a whole bunch of questions we couldn't even get to. But Let's just do a little quick plug for it. Query do it. Is my, yeah, Query is my new podcast that is a 60-minute one-on-one conversations with me and an LGBT luminary, so somebody in the community that does activism work or a famous person. And I am in love with this project. It's kind of what I've always wanted to do. Um Listeners seem to be really on board also. But so far we have had um, Jill Soloway on. We got we got Tegan and Sarah coming up. And But just to, to note, it's Tegan, just a great time. And then also Sarah. That's right. They're I'm doing interviewing separate episodes separately. because they oh, are nice. separate. Oh, awesome. Anyway, it's just a I would just really hey, I recommend it. <laughs> I, I also recommend it. It's it's an amazing it's been an amazing listen so far and I'm looking forward to everything that's coming down the pike. Um, but I thank you guys so much. I, I hope to have you guys back sometime because this has been a great conversation. I yeah. love, I love it. Yeah, for sure. very much. Thanks so much. All right, so I have, I have a confession. I have not seen their TV show, Take My Wife. But now I absolutely just by hearing them talk, I want to and hearing their back and forth. I need to go see it. And I need to, you know, go binge so, watch some comedy. <laughs> if you're gonna go, it's an easy binge because there's six episodes six or eight okay. i can't quite remember there's not that many episodes or half hour episodes but if you're gonna do it i suggest you do it soon because i have to tell you so the network that they're on CISO, s-e-e-s-o um was sort of a i believe it was owned by comcast or nbc um but it was in like a, a streaming channel you had to subscribe monthly and i think i i just looked it up so i think it was like 3.99 a month so it wasn't that much but it recently went under so you can still go on to the website. You can still subscribe. You can still do, I think it's a seven day 
um, free trial. So if you want, you could just do the seven day free trial and binge their show it. and let that be it. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how much longer it's going to be around because it went under. They they have a second season that they've already filmed. It's already in the can. I don't know if the episodes are done, like edited and whatnot, but I know that they've already filmed it. But it is currently homeless because CISO is you know closed up shop so they're hopeful we did not get a chance to talk about this unfortunately but it was um, literally our next question yeah <laughs> like it really was so list, it was the next one but not that they could have probably so answered hopefully they'll be able to f- no no of course not um hopefully Hopefully they'll be able to find a new home for it. Um, you know, maybe someplace like Netflix or Amazon will pick it up because it is, it's already filmed and they've just got to get it probably edited into a hundred percent final shape and then just distribute it. So fingers crossed for that. Right. So what we need you to do right now at this minute, go out and tweet Cameron and Rhea and let them know you heard them on our show. Tell them how great their interview was and how <laughs> handsome jamie and i both are <laughs> i don't know why you would tell them that don't do that That'd be weird. don't do that it's really weird i don't know why because yeah number one we're not really weird that'd be really weird if you did that but definitely tell them you heard them on the show and let them know that you appreciated them coming on and also while you're at it let us know who do you want us to approach and find to interview we're in the process now of booking for our next i guess you could call it a season season three we're in season three i don't know do you call it that? I don't know. We're, We're in, in year three. Year. I don't know if we, I don't know. We <laughs> and, don't really do seasons. And Jamie is currently reaching out and booking guests. And we've already lined up one really awesome. Well, I mean, we've lined up a lot of awesome ones, but we, he's, he's come back at me with a few already that are, you're really going to like. So let us know. We want to know who you want to hear. Is there anything else? No. Yeah. And you know, you reach out at us all the usual places and we haven't been giving you guys the phone number every week, which, our oh, man. But if you want to yeah. call us and, and and let us know, um, you know, you want to talk to us, you want to leave us a comment, you want to just yell at us, whatever, that's cool. Uh, 301-825-5653. 301-825-5653. Just leave a message and, and just tell us what's on your mind. And I promise you we will play it because anyone that has called, I think it's been a couple <laughs> we have played. So That's right. That's right. All right, guys, thank you so much for coming back every single week. If you do, if you don't, why aren't you? Hit subscribe and get your weekly episodes updated in your feed. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at the GBB Podcast. And I am Justin at 140 Justin C. I am Jamie at the Roarbots. And we will see you next time. Take care. This podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash geekdad. 